The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Ezra chapter number 7. Ezra chapter number 7. And Ezra chapter number 7, that's where we're going to start at. But I can imagine probably everybody here, or mostly everybody, either has a phone, a pad, iPad, or a tablet, or something, or a computer, or something along those lines. And I've got one of these iPhones. The only reason I got it is because when my last phone died, which was a flip phone, my kids like, Dad, you have got to get up with the times. And I said, I don't want to be with the times. I want to stick with my old school stuff. And they said, we don't even know what an old school means anymore. you got to be able to text and do this and do that. And I and so I went from my flip phone to learning how to do one of these smartphones. And my daughters are the ones that instructed me on how to use it because I didn't I had no clue. But I found out quickly, you know, these things were when you charge them, they're supposed to charge for a certain amount of time. But then they're going to die down. And they're going to stop working at the time you really don't to stop working. It's the way it normally works out. But if we found out it's simple is that if you leave them plugged in, we know they're going to work. If you leave them plugged into their power source, you know they're going to, be, they're going to work. And in the process of what we're talking about tonight with Ezra chapter 7, the title of the message is are you plugged into your power source? Are you plugged into your power source? See, we can die down as well from our power source. We can, we can have the power in our lives, and I tell you, we'll talk about that in just a minute, but then it, die, it can die down as well. So are you plugged into the power source that you need to be plugged into? Many, many of us will take this and We'll run it down till it gets 1% and then it dies and then we want to know why the thing's not charged up anymore. So I'm asking you tonight, I want you to think about this. As we go through Ezra chapter number 7 here, are you plugged in to your power source? So if we will, let's all stand for the reading of the Scripture, please. Uh, and we're looking at Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 9. The Bible says, For upon the first day of the month, first month, began he to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem, according to the good hand of his God upon him. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Are you plugged in your power source. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you for again allowing me to be here tonight. Thank you for the time that we had today. Thank you for the services this morning, Lord. And I pray as we 
go into the service tonight, Lord, that you'll use your word again to touch hearts, Lord. And we'll just thank you and praise you for your many blessings. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ezra uh, chapter 7 here, we see the book of Ezra is a story of about, is a, a story of two groups of Jews that was returning to their homeland in Jerusalem from the Babylonian captivity. The first group of Jews, which was a rather large group, went back into their homeland and their concern was more of rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the temple walls, instituting the temple worship. And that's what they were concerned with. Well, about 57 years later, another group of Jews, a smaller group, which was led by Ezra, went, but went into the homeland. And they wasn't necessarily worried about the temple so much. The people who had went beforehand had gotten cold and callous to God. They, have, they had backslid. They had done things against God. And Ezra wanted to help those folks there in, in a revival. He wanted them to have a revival among God's people. And eventually, that's what happened as you continue to read the book of Ezra. See, the first group had become backslidden, but Ezra wanted to see a revival take place among his people. Now, interesting, in verse number 6, look back with verse number 6 with me. The Bible says this, This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. We see in verse number 9, at the end of the verse, it says, according to the good hand of his God upon him. Look down in verse number 28 of chapter 7. We see again, and hath, and hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. And I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. We see that in these verses that Ezra had God's hand upon his life. Can I tell you tonight, people, uh, folks, that I want God's hand upon my life. More than anything, I want God's hand upon my, my life working through my life. That's what I want. And we as Christians should want the same thing. We should want God's mighty hand upon our life, working through and in our life. That's what we as Christians would want God to work in our lives. See, in the Bible, names mean something. The book of Ezra, or Ezra, we see his name means to aid or to help. That's what, that's what it means. And I believe that Ezra wanted to help his fellow countrymen. He wanted to help his people. But he realized he really couldn't fully help anybody until he had God's hand upon his life. And that's what he wanted. He wants God's hand upon your life. And can I ask you tonight, do you feel God's hand upon your life? And when we're talking about God's hand in the Old Testament, we're talking about the direct power of God Himself in your life. Are you plugged into your power source, which is God Himself? 
See, many times we have we we find it hard to relate to folks in the Bible. Uh, we read about God and what He does in the Bible, and and it's like, well, you know, that was back then. Folks, can I tell you, we serve the same God, and He can do the same thing that He did in the Bible today if He chose to. So all the power, He has all the power, and He can give it out as He wishes. So we should want God's power in our life, in our daily life, to serve Him. See, God shows us His power. He shows us His power. In Isaiah 40, 29, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. He giveth power to the faint. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Folks, we can come to church every day. Or we can come to church every time it's open, Sunday and Wednesday. We can come to special meetings. And we can do this and that. But we can have a form of godliness and not really have God's power in our life. We can we we can just we we can serve and just have that form of godliness, or we can have the direct power of God in our lives. We can deny the power of God. I travel through this nation, and I'm in many different churches, and I see many different people, and people don't realize that they can have God's power in their life to serve Him on a daily basis. If they'll do the things here that we just talk, we'll talk about here in just a minute, you can have God's power upon your life. See, many people just don't know the reality of having God's hand upon their life. People don't know that reality. John chapter one verse twelve. But as many received Him, to Him gave He the power to become the sons of God, even that believe on His name. Acts chapter one and verse number eight. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that worketh in us. That's not our power. That's not what we do. That's God power, God's power that will work in us if we let him. That's his power. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. See, we can have God's power if we want it. We can have power, God's power in our lives to live and glorify in our daily lives. Can I ask you, do you want God's hand of power in your life? If you do, I want to show you three, three steps you can take to have God's power in your life. Number one, we see the action that is necessary. The action that is necessary. Look back in verse number 10. The Bible says, For Ezra had prepared. Ezra had prepared. See, if we're ever going to have the power of God upon our life, there must be a preparation made. You know, the Olympics are going on now. And I like to watch the Olympics. I like to watch the competition. I'm a, I'm a sports guy. But you know what? These guys, these, these, now, I'm not, I don't know if anybody likes to run in here, okay? But I'm telling you, 
the what these guys who run this marathon, this twenty-six mile this twenty-six mile marathon, they run it, and that's made for cars to drive, not people to run. But they just don't get up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to get out and go run a marathon. They don't do that. And if you know, if I decided to do that about maybe a half mile in, it'd be an ambulance falling right behind me because I'm fixing to fall out. But these guys prepare for the Olympics. Many of these guys, four years ago, when the Olympics ended, a week later, some of these guys started preparing again for whatever sport they are they doing. There was a preparation that, made, that was made with these athletes. A police officer is the same way. If he doesn't prepare himself to go out into his shift, if there's not a preparation made, then he may not come home that night. If he doesn't put on his vest, if he doesn't strap on his gun, if he doesn't put on his badge, he's not prepared for the shift that is upcoming. And if you're not prepared in that line of work, bad things happen. So there has to be a preparation made. The child of God can never expect the power of God unless there's a preparation that was made. You have to prepare in your life. In other words, nobody gets saved by accident. God draws. God saves. But nobody gets the power of God by accident either. God just doesn't drop His power here, 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 and here. He doesn't do that. There's things that we can do in our lives to get the power of God. See, what kind of action was necessary was Ezra is what he did in verse number 10. He prepared his heart. His heart. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Psalm 139 and verse number 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Psalm 51 and verse number 10. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. We see this is a heart issue. You have to prepare your heart to receive the power of God. If there's a preparation made, you can receive the power of God in your life. We have to have our heart prepared. And many times, that's what's missing in our life. We don't have our heart prepared. You know, many people can go to Christian college and they can uh, do many things. And we can come to church and, and learn of things. And we may have that head knowledge. And that's a good thing. But... When we go out in the world, it doesn't really sink in. And you know why? Because you've not let it sunk down into your heart. Your heart. We can have all the head knowledge, and that's a good thing to know. We need to know what God tells us in His Word. But you have to let it go into your heart to receive the power of God, to live for Him every single day. Every single day. I mean, you think about it, the difference between... Heaven and hell for somebody is the attitude of the heart. 
Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a heart issue. We have to prepare our heart. The balance of the power of God is dependent on your heart. That the issue will determine whether you have a power of God or a hand of God in your life is the attitude of your heart. Have you prepared your heart? Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Many times we talk about that, that story, that portion of Scripture, but I'm telling you, you read slowly through that portion of Scripture. Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and a wife, they sold a possession, which was land. And see, in Acts chapter at the end of Acts chapter 4, Barnabas, a, 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 a great man in the Scriptures there, he, he did, he set an example. Barnabas had land, so he went and he sold his land, and he took that, that money he got from the land, and he laid it at the apostles' feet so that they may help the people in the church. Well, they had that example, but Ananias and Sapphira... What they did, they sold some land, but they brought a portion of that money and laid it before Peter. They didn't bring the whole part. They just brought part of it. See, people see what we give, but God sees what we hold back. And God saw what Ananias and Sapphira was holding back. They held a portion of that money back. So Peter begins to examine uh, Ananias, he knew what happened as soon as they brought it and laid the money. See, they made it, they wanted to, to be seen of men that they did this, but God really sees what was in their heart. He really sees what's in their heart. See, it was a issue, issue of the heart with them. And Peter makes a statement, he says, Why has Satan filled thine heart? That's what he says to Ananias. Why has Satan filled that heart that you lie to God? It was a heart issue with Ananias and Sapphira. Well, I'm going to tell you, at that point, it said at the end there, that great fear came upon the church. Well, what happened is when Ananias did that, he fell over dead. When he admitted right, he, he fell over. And then I can only imagine three hours later, his wife, Sapphira, comes in, and Peter questions her. And then he says, people that just carried out your husband's going to carry you out. And the next thing you know, is she gave up the ghost and they carried her out. It was all a heart issue. It was a heart issue for them. See, God puts a premium on the heart. If you read back in 1 Samuel 16 with King David, well, you know, Saul there in 1 Samuel 15 where he disobeyed God. He didn't do what God had told him to do in destroying the people. He didn't listen. To, he didn't follow through. So God had chosen him a, a new king among Jesse's children there in Bethlehem. So he sends Samuel over to meet Jesse so that they can anoint him the king. So he goes over there and he sees Jesse, he meets Jesse, and he's like, all right, let's see, you got sons here. He had eight sons, and well, let's see who the, who this so Let's line them up. So he brings his first son through. Jesse brings his first son. Evidently, this was a man's man. This, this must have been, because Samuel said, this must be he. 
This must be the one. But God told Samuel, says, don't look upon his countenance. God doesn't see as man sees. God sees the heart. See, we can look on the outside. People look on the outside, but God sees what's inside. To receive the power of God in your life, you have to prepare your heart. God sees our heart. He puts a a premium on the heart. And what does that mean? What do you mean to prepare your heart? Psalm 24 says, the psalmist asked this question. He says, Who shall ascend into the holy hill of the Lord and stand in thy holy place? Well, he answers his own question. He says, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And a pure heart. What does it mean? It means it's a big deal how we treat sin in our lives. See, we're not going to have the power of God in our life if, if we are holding sin in our lives. It's not going to happen. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, when he's talking about prosper there, he's not talking about a bank account and material things. He's talking about spiritually speaking. Spiritually, he's saying, uh, why you're spiritually bankrupt is because you're not treating sin like God does. If God's not working in your life, you don't see God working in your life, maybe there's sin in your life that you need to confess to Him. But we don't see sin as God sees sin sometimes. We don't. But if the verse continues on by saying, if you confess and forsake Him, God will show you mercy. I really believe if Ananias and Sapphira came clean when they were questioned, God would have shown them mercy. He said they would. He said He would in the verse. He would have shown them mercy. But they chose not to do that. They chose not to do that. See, you know, and there's many sins that we deal with on a daily basis. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. See, there's many things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. we got to have the eye gate, the ear gate, and the heart gate. We can see these things and let these things into our, our, our minds and our hearts. There's many things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. But we don't have the power of God because we don't see sin as God sees sin. We don't see it the same way. See, what, what, what on the outside is revealing really what's on the inside. We need to be serious about what God is serious about. We need to be serious about that. And sin hinders our relationship with Him. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you between, between you and your God. Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He won't even consider if I've got sin in my heart. But hang on, watch this. God helps us out here. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I like those little words in the Bible. Every word in the Bible means something. You see, all unrighteousness. What does all mean? It means all. 
all unrighteousness if we confess it to Him. But we have to confess it to Him. Isaiah 43.25 says, I am He that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Micah chapter 7 and verse number 9 says, He will bury our sins in the depths of the sea. Psalm 103 and verse number 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. But see, we have to take that step and confess them. See, if we want the power of God in our life, if we want the hand of God in our life, we have to make sure that we don't, or we're not harboring any sin in our heart. We have to prepare our heart so that we can have that power from Him. And that's more. That's what I want more than anything. I want the power of God in, on, and through my life. So the first thing we see the action that is needful, or the action that is necessary. Secondly, I'll get ahead of myself. We see the action that is necessary, or the action that is needful. Number one, the action that is necessary. Number two, the action that is needful. Needful. Look back in verse number 10. We'll see what Ezra said. He said, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. To seek the law of the Lord. That is the action that is, that is needful. We need to seek the law of the Lord. When you want the power of God in your life, there's got to be some priorities that are switched around. We've got to have the proper priorities in our life. You must have the same priority that Ezra had here. You had to, you have to have that same priority. You got to, you must seek the law of the Lord. Then you must do it. The one who saved you will refresh you, revive you, and restore you back to himself. Back to himself. You must forsake sin and make God the priority. In your life. We talked about it this morning about Colossians 1.18 make Christ the preeminent, preeminence in your life. He must be first place in your life. What is the law of the Lord? It's the Word of God. It's the Bible that you hold in your hand. Ezra had a relationship with the Word. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? With the Word. The law of the Lord is referred to as the Scriptures and I ask you, what's your relationship with the Scriptures? Because you do have a relationship with the Scriptures. You know, we need to be in our Bible every day. Reading it every single day. We need to seek the law of the Lord. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Doth he meditate there? Doth he meditate day and night? Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love the law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119.165 Great peace have they that love the law, and nothing shall offend them. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. John chapter 5 and verse number 39 Search the Scriptures, for, you, for in them you think you have eternal life, eternal life, but they are they which testify of Me. That's Christ talking. You have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. They search the Scriptures daily whether those things be so. 
We need to be in our Bibles, studying our Bibles, the Word, seeking the law of the Lord. See, he's talking about searching the Scriptures. He's talking about a relationship with the Word. The Word of God is the most important thing. We need to be in the Word of God. See, that's why we teach and preach the Bible in Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. It's all about God. It's all about God. See, God has given this, these 66 love letters. And you can take it personal because He's written it to you. These 66 love letters has been written to you. And we should meditate in it. We should read it. We should read it every day. So what was Ezra's purpose in seeking the law of the Lord? To know the Lord of the law. That was his purpose. And that should be our purpose. It's to seek the law of the Lord so that we may know Him. So that we may grow closer to Him. See, you're, you're as close to God as you want to be. If you feel that God is way over here, it's not Him moving. It's us moving. You're as close to God as you want to be. And when you seek the law of the Lord, that brings you closer to Him. See, He communicates with us through His Word. That's how He communicates with us. Do you communicate back with Him? Are you in His Word? We must be in His Word. See, that's the reason why we come back to Sunday and Wednesday night and special services because it's all about His Word and His Word is all about Him. We need to learn more about Him. Psalm 63 says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. Proverbs 8, uh, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is still near. Hosea, I like Hosea, the way he puts this in chapter 10 and verse 12. It's time to seek the Lord. I just like, it's just as plain as it can be. It's time to seek the Lord. We must seek the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with your whole heart. goes back to the heart issue. What are you seeking in your life? Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these added things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye Him. Seek God on a daily basis. It's about what we focus on. See, in many times in law enforcement, I was, uh, I was a, a firearms instructor. and Many times we would get new recruits in and we would train them on firearms. And many times you would have a, a, a shooting course of you know three yards, five yards, seven yards, ten yards, all the way back to 25. Well, they would, you would shoot 50 rounds, but at three yards, you may shoot five rounds. At seven yards, you may shoot, you know, eight rounds. On back till you shoot 50 rounds. Well, all these people would get up to the front line, these new recruits, I'd blow the whistle, and they would shoot five, you know, five, uh, um, bullets and up close. And it'd be like, bam, 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 bam. And it would be more than five. They'd shoot like ten. Because they were up close. They knew they were up close. So they know they wanted to hit the target. But as they got back farther, man, the bullets would just go all kinds of crazy ways. And then as they would go farther back, they would go all kinds of crazy ways. 
And it, you know, it's like, what is your focus? What is your fo- what are you focusing on? Well, when you're shooting a handgun, you want to focus on the front sight. There's a front sight. And then there's a rear sight. And then there's a target. You focus on the, on the front sight, you put your target in the back, and when you pull the trigger, you'll hit your target. But you've got to focus on the right thing. Well, in our lives, we have to focus on the right thing to serve Him. And then we have to focus on God. We have to keep our eyes on Him. To receive the power of God, to have the hand of God upon our lives, which is what we should want, we need to focus on God. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to seek Him every day. To focus on God, to seek God, and to submit to God is what Ezra was doing, and that's what we need to do. See, whenever you seek Him and make Him a priority, submit to Him. You'll do what He wants you to do. Have you, uh, have you submitted to all that is written in God's Word? Have you? See, a surrendered person is one that will prepare their hearts and seek Him in His Word and submit to Him. John chapter 2, verse 5 says, Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. Do it. I'm a simple guy. I love these simple Scriptures. I mean, He just says, whatsoever He says, do it. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, I like Philip in Acts chapter number 8. Philip the evangelist there. See, God sent him to Samaria. Well, he sent him to Samaria, Samaria, and there, while there, at, the, at those verses in chapter 8, the first part of the verse, it says there was great joy there. See, there was a revival going on. Philip went down there, and he preached Christ there at Samaria. I mean, he preached Christ. People were getting saved. People were getting healed. The lame was able to walk. The blind see. I mean, there was a revival going on. And man, as an evangelist, that's what you want to see. That's what I want to see. But then, several verses down the road there in chapter number 8, the angel of the Lord said, Philip, I need you to go down to Gaza. Well, you know, Philip, I, I can imagine Philip, I don't know, but if it was me, I'd be like, Lord, look what's going on here, man. In, in Samaria, all these people are getting saved. Why do you want me to go down to Gaza? But Philip didn't do that. You know what he did? He went down to Gaza. He didn't, he didn't question, he didn't, he didn't have a question in there. And on the way to Gaza, Gaza, he runs into the Ethiopian eunuch. And that Ethiopian eunuch was there in his chariot and he was reading something he didn't understand. He didn't understand. So the angel of the Lord said, told Philip to go over to that chariot. And I like the way the Scripture put it. He didn't walk, he didn't hop. Scripture says that Philip ran thither. So Philip didn't wait. He didn't hold anything back. When God, the angel of the Lord told him to go, he went. He went and he went down there and that eunuch was reading... 53 there, the suffering servant, that portion of Scripture, and he, he didn't understand. Philip asked him, do you understand what, y'all re- what you read? Well, no, how come I accept somebody guide me? So Philip goes up in there, and, and he reads, and he, uh, the eunuch asks him some questions, and Philip starts preaching Christ. And what happens to the eunuch? He gets saved. He gets saved. Now, I say all that to say this. 
We have no clue whether that eunuch would have ever been saved if Philip hadn't gone. But Philip left Samaria in that revival to go down there and preach Christ to the eunuch who got saved. So what am I telling you this for is when God speaks to us, we need to do it right then. We need to act right then. If God is speaking to you, telling you to do something, or leading you a certain way, do it. Do it. When we follow God and we submit to God and we do what He asks us to do, we'll get the power of God in our lives. I was preaching in Wyoming and I was, there was a little boy in the back, about 12 or 13 years old. And I'm preaching away, man. I'm preaching away. But he keeps, he's climbing over the seats, climbing under the seats. He's moving around everywhere. And I'm like, is this guy doing but he continues to climb and the next thing i know he gets out into the aisle and he comes down to the altar and i didn't know what he was fixing to do i had no clue well he comes down to the altar and he gets down here and he starts praying and he starts crying and he starts weeping i didn't know i never had that happen to me before so i was like okay he starts the invitation, I just let him go ahead. So I had everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. Well, the next thing I know, there was not a, there was, there was not a seat filled in the whole auditorium. Everybody was down at the altar dealing with God. Now, why do I tell you that? If God is leading you, if the Holy Spirit's pricking your heart to do something, do it. Just do it. Because that's the way we follow God and get the power of God in our lives. See, that little boy started something by obeying. Because afterward, I talked to him and I asked him, why did you do that? Why did you? I don't know, I, I don't know, preacher. He said, I just felt the Lord wanted me to come down and, and ask His forgiveness for my sin. I said, okay, praise God. But that little boy started a little revival in that church. What I'm saying is this, is if God is telling us to do something, do it. Just do it. If we get the, we, we'll get the power of God in our lives to live on a daily basis. Just do it. So we need to prepare our hearts. We need to seek God. We need to seek God. We see the action that was necessary. The action that, need, that was needful. And then finally, we see the action that should be never-ending. The action that should be never-ending. Look back in verse number 10 with me. The Bible says at the end, we see, for Ezra had prepared his heart. That's number one. We saw he prepared his heart. Number two, we saw that to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And then finally we see the action that should be never ending. And to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Now what does that mean? How does that apply to us? See, the reason God has put His hand upon us was for this purpose. To teach Israel thy statutes and judgments, what Ezra said. But what that means is this. How does this apply to us? The key is in the word teach, which has the idea to go. To go. See, many times we need to get motivated to go. Back on the farm, I used to, when I was a little young man, I worked on a farm with my uncle. And one of the things that he did is he shooed horses. And that's an interesting proposition, an interesting thing to do. Well, I was a little young man there, and this big old horse, he didn't want to be shooed. He'd go down there, and he'd try to pick that hoof up, and 
that horse would just kind of shake his head and stand there and not move. So, you ever seen one of those red plastic baseball bats with the big, you know, the big one? My uncle had one in his truck. He said, son, he said, go get that bat. I said, okay. So I go there and get back. And he'd pick that, try to pick that hoof up, and that horse wouldn't do it. So he would take that, that, that plastic back and whack that horse right over the nose. And that horse would just kind of shake his head a little bit, steer around a little bit. So he goes back and he tries to shoe that horse again. Well, the horse was still not out of his suburbness yet. So he took that bat, he reared back, and he'd whack, he, I mean, he hit a home run with that thing. He hit that horse right in the nose. And that horse would shake his head and just kind of woggle around a little bit and tries to go to shoe that horse. That horse still wasn't over his stubbornness. Well, for the third time, he goes back and he comes from way left field with this swing. And he nails that old horse. And that horse just, he just, I mean, he's just walking around. He can't hardly stand anymore. It's like one of those, old, you know, one of those people that's just, that's just been knocked silly. That horse is just kind of walking around, don't know where he's at. Well, finally, he decided that he was going to be shooed. After getting whacked in the nose three times with that big old thing. You know, sometimes that's a funny story and that's a, you know, but sometimes we need motivation to go. We need motivation to go. And, and that's what Ezra is telling us here. See, we are to prepare our hearts, then we're to seek the Lord, then we're to go. We're to go. Tell others about Christ. That's what we're to do. See, in Ezra's day, the farmers would carry a long stick with a pointing edge. And if the animal didn't comply with, with the, the person there, they would take that stick and poke them behind the ear. Which would get them motivated and get them moving. You know, sometimes we just need to be motivated. What Ezra is saying here is he said, I need the power of God to take the Word of God with power and force, declaring that which will set people free. And that's what we need to do. We need to go and tell people which shall set them free. Romans 1.16 said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To, the, to everyone that believeth. You say, well, I may never be called to preach or teach. That doesn't apply to me. If you're a believer, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been saved, you've been called to go. You've been called to go. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In the end of the verse, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses unto me. You know, I, I, a few months ago, I met with an evangelist friend of mine, and we were, went to a McDonald's, of course. There's, you know, like 17 million McDonald's in this country. So we choose to go to one of them. Well, you know, they got the same menu in all 17 million McDonald's. So my evangelist friend is just standing at the counter is like, um, I'm like, will you order, please? You know, we're just standing there. And then the next time I went up, I was like, do you know what you want? Do you know what you want? He says, well, well, well just wait. I'm trying to figure out who I need to give this gospel track to. 
I said, okay. I went over and sat down and kept my mouth shut. I said, you go right ahead. You decide who got, which gospel track you were, the person you want to give that to. See, I was worried about getting through and he was worrying about being soul conscious. He was worried about people's souls, about getting tracks out, giving them the gospel. And that's what God has commanded us to do. We have to be soul conscious. Soul conscious. John 20 in verse 21 said, Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. See, God wants us to go out into the harvest fields, outside these walls, and, but He doesn't want us to go on our own. He wants us to go with His power. He wants us to go with His power which is available to us. I ask you, do you have God's hand of power upon your life? If you prepare your heart, you seek the Lord, you spread the Gospel, God will put His mighty hand upon you and work mightily in and through your life. That's what I want, is for God to work in my life. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org